Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So, Ryan, I've had a, we had a request through from uh, this person who asks for uh, us to do some research, which I thought was very good. So Great. we contacted this person and we said to them, how can we help you? And it says they, this person said, oh, they, they are an, in, an, an intern for an organization. Uh, and, you know, they'd like to do some research. And we thought, great. OK, so how can we help? They said an, an um, intern contacted you and requested an intern. I like that person's moxie. That's, <laughs> that kid's going somewhere. That's great. Well, you may not at the end of this story. Well, let's stop the story then, because I it gives me hope for the future. I'm not sure I want to hear yeah. the end of it. No, go ahead. So we said, okay. So could you tell us what um, what research you'd like uh, us to do? And the the this this guy said, uh, well, I'm on a training course that this company's put me on, um, and he sent us the curriculum, and it said, um, and you can see here that it's asked me to do some research, uh, and I'd like you to do it. <laughs> and I said, hold on. So you're selling me that you're an intern that this company's put you on a uh, on a training course and you want us to do the research that's on the training course. Uh, yeah, that's right. I said, don't you think you should do it? Because, you know, you're going to learn a bit more. And that's the reason that they've asked you to do it. And to be honest, with you, he said, uh, he said, um, yeah, but I'm too lazy. <laughs> and, <laughs> Colin, we are all going to be working for that guy in like 10 years. He is going places. I am telling yeah, you. Yes, I, but I decided to take the moral high ground, and I said, "No, we won't get involved with that." Thank you. And my my best advice to you is, you do it so you learn. Now that's the reason for doing it. But um, so if it, one of your students come up and said they've got beyond philosophy to do this research for you for their te one of their tests, I suppose you'll be quite pleased with that. Um, well, if it's one of my students, no. But if it's somebody else's student, sure. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole new market out there that we're not we're not we're not tapping into, you see. Anyway, <laughs> so I uh, just thought it was an interesting one to start with. Um, so why don't customers buy after they say that they will? That's the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Why don't customers buy after they say that they will? So you go out and do 50 ton of research um, that says you're going to sell 20 million products. You launch the product and it doesn't sell. Why is that? Um, so so I, I, this is your this is how you're starting this podcast, a, a, a story of a, a lazy charlatan and then a story about liars. This is yeah, it's, a real it's just the mood of humanity, Colin. <laughs> I think you're right there. Yeah. No, but it's a it's a key issue. I mean, certainly what we've been seeing a lot over the years uh, is that uh, and we're getting more contacts from organizations who are saying, they implemented custom experience. They implemented net promoter scores that they got an initial, you know, bleep, um, increase, but effectively um, their programs are now plateauing. And, you know, why is that the case? Um, uh, you know, and it's an it's it's really interesting. Goes back to some of these hidden hidden things, because typically we we would say, you know, you've been focusing on the wrong things. Um, you know, the, 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 what's classic uh, phrase of what got you where you are today isn't going to get you where you want to go tomorrow. Uh, so you need to think about things in a different way and you need to think about customer behavior, uh, in a different way. So 
what are your what are your thoughts on on what what they should be doing? I mean, so there's there's two basic explanations here. These are going to sound real profound, so you might want to sit down. Those of you who are listening at home, if you're standing up, um, you know, if things are going wrong. It's either because you're failing to deliver what people want and what they're telling you they want, or you're asking them the wrong questions. You're you're um, yeah. measuring the wrong thing, right? So, uh, you know, one of the reasons that your your you know net promoter score is plateauing is because you've stopped delivering on your promise, or people's expectations have changed. Uh, and then the other reason it goes wrong is that typically in in this case, I think it's typically the latter that yeah. the, the, the customers' expectations have changed and moved on. It's just the organization hasn't. And and so frequently people organizations will respond to that by going out and saying, all right, well, what what do you want us to do then? And then yeah. that gets us to this, you know, uh, opening question that you you started with, which is, well, we're doing what you told us to do, and and you're still not. You know, responding like you said you were, um, why not? Um, and yeah. um, this this actually turns out to be an area for which there's been quite a bit of research in in psychology. So the it's been studied a little bit differently, but um, a lot of times psychologists would ask people about their attitude. So how much do you like this thing, or how important is this thing to you? Under the assumption, pretty basic assumption that we all have that. Our attitude should line up with our behavior. But then at some point, you know, several decades ago, psychologists started studying behavior and, and how those behaviors linked up with attitudes. And they found that it was not good at all. Um, like it was really not not reliable. Um, people would tell you one thing, like I'm for sure not going to vote for Brexit. And then they would go out and do something else entirely. Or they'd tell you that, oh, no, the Recycling is super important to me, and then they would not recycle, or I'll for sure buy that product if you put it on the market, and then they won't. So yeah. um, we can walk through some of the of that research as we go through here, but uh, before we do, I thought I'd, I'd turn it back over to you. I mean, you've you've thought a lot about this. What are the what are the headline consequences of this misalignment in your experience? I, I think the big headline is that people just focus, they focus on the wrong thing. So it's um, the, the example I always use is that um, people, um, people at Disney know that when they ask their customers what they'd like to eat at a theme park, Disney know that, um, pe- that people say that they'd like to have an option of a salad. Um, people also know or Disney also know that people don't eat salads when they go to theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So th- this, for me, happens all around the place. I remember getting picked up in Houston uh, and um, talking to this guy that picked us up to go and speak at a conference. And we were talking about the environment and we were talking about uh, conservation and, um, you know, um, recycling and everything else. Um, and he said that he was, you know, into it in, a, in such a big way. Uh, but he was driving the biggest truck you'd ever seen in your life, you know. Uh, no, so. no, no. The biggest truck you had ever seen. He was in Houston. That actually counted yes. as a micro mini car for him. Yeah, 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 probably right there. Yeah, no. So it, 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 I've always found it fascinating the difference between what people say that they're going to do yep. and what they actually then do. They can obviously always always post rationalize it, uh, but you know that's the key thing. Um, you you launch a product customers say that they want it or you you know you go out to customers and go how can we improve our customer experience they tell you what they want you to do you do it 
and it doesn't um, doesn't improve the satisfaction one bit. And um, that's the key. So so where does this fit in from a psychological perspective? So there there are a whole bunch of potential reasons for it. Um, I've got a list of, of five things that past, past research has found tend to improve whether um, people's behavior will line up with their um, attitudes. So whether they'll do what they say, essentially. Um, so we can start there and then we'll, we'll get into some other kind of yep. advice around how you can measure these things better and so on. Um, in general, people are more likely, some of these are going to sound obvious, but it, it literally took decades of research to kind of confirm that these things were true. Uh, in general, people will are more likely to act in consistently with their attitudes if that belief is held strongly. So if that attitude is held strongly, where people get confused on this is attitude strength or belief strength is different from extremity. So it's not the case that if I just really hate something, that's going to motivate me to do something about it. Uh, instead, it's how strongly do I hold that opinion, regardless of the valence. You right. can feel like mildly negative towards something, but it's an opinion that is really well considered. You've thought about this a lot. You feel very deeply about it. That's more likely to motivate behavior than somebody who really hates something, but it's kind of a fleeting, you know, hatred. But if they, but that doesn't mean to say that they're right when they have that opinion. Uh, no, clearly, uh, I, I would never. I would never go out on a limb and say people write about anything, Colin. Yeah. It just seems dangerous. <laughs> um, um, no, but I, I mean, so, um, you know, I, I so strongly held opinion, strongly held opinion over a period of time. Right. So that, that would yeah. be a good indicator of the, the strength of a belief, right? If, if yeah. your belief is bouncing around all over the place, one day sure. you're hot, one day you're cold, that's less likely to influence behavior. So that's one. Yeah. Um, two is if the belief is based off of personal experience. So in other words, if you have a high level of confidence in it. So if I right. hear stories about something, uh, it gets kind of secondhand news about something, I may form a belief about it. In general, that'll be less predictive of my behavior than if I've personally experienced something and my attitude is based off of that. Why not let Colin and Ryan speak at your next conference? As you can hear, they're great communicators and can get over a message in a simple, inspiring, and humorous way. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. So I was thinking, well, if somebody that I trust tells me something, I'm more likely to believe it than if somebody tells me you know, um, that I just met in the street. Yep. Uh, and that then sort of led me into thinking about fake news. Um, and, you know, who do you trust for information and stuff? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we may need to do a whole in. podcast on fake news. Um, yeah. So in, part of the reason that fake news is so interesting and you know, confounding is that it shouldn't work, right? I mean, to your point, um, Usually these are unknown sources uh, that we're getting this stuff from, and so we should discount that. I think fake news is a special case because um, usually the stuff that resonates us, with us in terms of fake news is stuff that we already wanted to believe. So it's an right. attitude that we already held um, usually strongly, and so we are – it's more of a <clears throat> motivated reasoning story right. a lot of times where uh, – we wanted to believe that anyway, and so it just fits in very nicely with our yeah. set of beliefs. 
we shall do a we shall do a podcast on fake news. I find the subject fascinating. Uh, I find it depressing. Um, so maybe yeah. we can do it um, and then schedule a vacation immediately afterwards. Yeah, we'll do it on a happy day for you. There you go. There you go. Uh, so that's two. So strongly held beliefs based on personal uh, experience. Number three is if the belief is expressed repeatedly, frequently, and publicly. Um, so right. if there's some kind of social commitment to it, then we're more okay. likely to believe. So if you get people saying they love your brand on a um, web forum, right, where they're talking yeah. about it, you can trust that those people are more likely to buy your brand than those who, you know, respond to your marketing research saying that they yeah. would buy your brand. Uh, and then the, the uh, last two are um, the behavior is measured frequently and robustly, um, and the behavior is consistent with social subjective norms. So let me break down both of those because those are kind of important. One of the big problems that um, existed in this this research on the link between attitudes and behavior is that people were measuring attitudes usually in one way. So just like, um, how much do you like this brand? Uh, measure this on a scale. And then they were shocked when that didn't correlate well with actual buying behavior. What they found was much more robust is if you had lots of ways of measuring the attitude or behavior or belief and then several behaviors that were all kind of consistent. Then you started to get at something that was kind of more reliable and stable. So, you know, don't just ask how much do you like this this new offering or how much do you like this brand? <clears throat> ask about a whole system of beliefs around that um, and how much do you like this more than these other options and you know how much would you be willing to pay for it and uh, just all these other things that those should converge and give you something more reliable so that's one and then the last one is this uh, idea of subjective norms so you know part of the reason that um, you know uh, people were surprised by the brexit vote or by uh, you know the, the Donald Trump polling and some other things um, there is sometimes this pressure to say or not say certain things when a pollster asks you. And so, you know, you may um, secretly like some brand um, that socially you shouldn't, um, right? So Colin, I know, for instance, is a, a huge fan of the uh, children's cartoon, My Little Pony. He doesn't like me talking about it much. but um, as, <laughs> You've as let my secret out. out. Well, I know, I and I feel guilty about it. I do, um, but as as a brony, you know, if if Colin were asked about that in his um, by a marketing research firm, he would tell them resoundingly, "No, that's not something I'm I'm into." Be I certainly don't have I certainly don't have t-shirts and costumes for sure. Um, <laughs> and so sometimes that we that crops up in our marketing research where. Um, somebody doesn't want to admit that they like a brand or they don't want to admit that they don't like a brand. You know, if they sense that you're a representative of a certain brand, sometimes there's social pressure to not disappoint you as the researcher. Uh, and so they'll not give kind of their own opinions uh, on those things. So those are my my five kind of um, notes, my, my five recommendations um, to so make. Can, can you just run through one yes. to five just in case somebody's sitting there with a pen at hand? Yeah, why? Well, I assume they are. Are they not? Anyway. Well, hopefully okay. not if they're driving. <laughs> so pull over quickly um, so you can write this down. Uh, in general, beliefs are more likely to influence behavior when, one, the belief is strongly held as opposed to being extreme. Two, the belief is based on personal expertise or experience. Three, the belief is expressed repeatedly, frequently, and publicly. 
for the, the behavior and the belief are measured frequently and robustly, and five, when the behavior is consistent with subjective norms. Great, good. That's a very good list. That's a very good list. So when you start talking about a belief, what's the definition of a belief? Uh, that's a strongly held position, I presume, is it? I'm just trying yeah. to think of a belief as opposed to just, a, I don't know, is an opinion a belief? I don't know. So I, for the purposes of this discussion, I think we can group opinions, beliefs, and attitudes all together because they should all kind of run in the same direction. We can... We could tease those apart at some point if we wanted to, but I, just to keep things clear, yeah, an opinion, yeah. a belief, an attitude, if you ask people about these things, they may or may not predict behavior, may not may no. or may not predict purchase or recommendation. If we want to predict those things, follow these five guidelines. So I'm now just testing these guidelines. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to test you. So I'm now testing, say like um, people know that I love Apple. So it's a strongly held belief that Apple are good. So therefore, when the Apple products get launched, that influences my decision. Yep. Um, it's based on personal experience because I use Apple products all the time. Yep. Uh, belief is expressed repeatedly, frequently, and publicly. I, I wish I, I think I should get paid. I should start getting paid by Apple for okay. these podcasts. I, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think frequently, repeatedly, and publicly, just in the context of this one podcast episode. <laughs> Yes, yeah. we can check that one off. Yeah, it's measured and and frequently uh, the behavior is measured and frequently and ro uh, frequently and robust. Yeah, right. So um, we would want to measure your attitude towards Apple if we were researching you. We would want to measure your attitude not by just saying, "Hey, do you like Apple? Yes or no?" or rated on this scale. You know, do you like all these various Apple products? How much should you be yeah. willing to pay for these products? Right. So we would want kind of a, a network of of research. Uh, about okay. attitude. rather than just do you like apple do you like cable yes. companies do you like whatever it is yes um and then the last one's behavior is consistent with with subjective norms so, so yes because loads of other people use apple and say it's great then exactly. i feel good about it or alternatively um there are communities where apple products are very much in vogue and it's a great thing yeah there are also the communities of um people that you would not associate with colin but um where who hate people and they're, they're they're in a group called the wrong people aren't they that's right barely <laughs> even human at all um i'm not sure the un would agree that they deserve human rights but they exist. um sadly if you were in one of those groups you know if everybody at your place of work for example just hated apple yeah um then we would predict that even though you love apple you'd be less likely to act on that um, I've got to tell you, they wouldn't be at my place of work if that was the case. <laughs> or, or you wouldn't be at that, that place of work. Uh, <laughs> Correct. Training your frontline team on how to create memories in your customers by evoking their emotions. Beyond Philosophy's unique and proven training methodology, Memory Maker Training. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact.
But I suppose this also works the other way, doesn't it? So if I then tested all of these with cable companies who yep. I dislike uh, intensely, um, then um, all of the, so my my belief is a strongly held view that cable companies are not good and blah 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 blah. I won't go through all of these, um, but but the same thing applies. Good. That's good. right. So I mean, that would be that your strongly held belief um, that they're bad and your your frequent criticism of them would lead you to behavior that would be consistent of that. You'd you'd be more likely to you know complain, more likely to um, you know try to wrangle with them to get lower prices, more likely to switch cable companies, although it's tricky here because you hate them as a class. So there's no, sure. really no out. Um, more likely to cut the cord, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So if we, I'm conscious of time, so I think we should probably wrap this up now. So um, go back to the question, why don't customers buy after they say they will? Uh, <laughs> what would your bit of advice be to uh, the assembled audience? So I have repeatedly, frequently, and publicly um, talked about how much I like marketing research as a, a tool for driving your decision making. That said, um, you know, don't drink the Kool-Aid on this. Uh, different kinds of marketing research are better at answering certain types of questions than others. In particular, um, you know, surveys are good, but you know, they're they're conducted in an artificial situation. You and I have talked a lot about how they they tend to be better at measuring kind of rational objective system two types of responses than these kind of hidden yeah. responses. Um, so, you know, try different approaches, um, experiments, even hypothetical situations. You know, would you would you prefer A or B or changing certain things and, and randomizing people to different groups of people or to different conditions? Um, you know, that'll give you different types of information. Uh, and sometimes you can trust relative findings more than um, objective findings. So, for example, if I ran an experiment and found that people in condition, you know, when it was painted blue, people were willing to pay more for it than when it was painted red, I might not trust those willingness to pay numbers, um, but I would trust the difference that I found. So, oh, well, it appears that blue is more is better than red, um, even if I don't trust the actual numbers themselves. So, uh, I would say yes, use your research. Yes, take it with a big grain of salt. Um, and make sure that you're measuring the right things and and kind of triangulating across multiple ways of doing it. So let me turn yep. around to you. So what would be your advice for getting people to uh, buy when they say they will or, or avoid that situation? So for me, um, and this I always find quite ironic, um, this being a sort of customer experience, customer centricity podcast, um, and the headline is don't listen to your customers. Provoke. <laughs> um, <laughs> <and what? laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, and and clearly, I'm exaggerating. But you know, look at what they do. Um, look at the data uh, and see what they they are doing. Uh, because go back to Disney. You know, um, people that go to the theme parks don't always say they say they want a salad, but they don't eat it when they're there. So you've actually got to find ways of uh, getting under the skin of these things. Uh, so looking at what customers do, ethnographic type research mm. um, is key. Looking at the data, interpreting the data in a different way is key and using some different forms of research. Again, people would have heard us talk about 
an emotional signature, which is a specialized form of research that we look at, which is not correlation, it's causation. I'm not going to bore you with all that now, but looking at uh, look at doing things in a different way, I think is key. So, so thanks very much for your, for uh, the time for everybody. Um, what um, we would like to do is if you uh, have any suggestions that you'd like to make on the podcast, any feedback, good or bad, or any topics that you would like us to cover, then please just drop us an email. Um, you can drop us an email at contact at beyondphilosophy, or one word, dot com. So contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Uh, any topics you want us to cover, any questions you've got, uh, and we'll pick those up and we'll build them into the show. So Particularly you if you're an intern or maybe a high school student and you want us to do some of your homework for you. Uh, I'm going Colin's off. really a, good at geography and yeah. uh, French. So if That's you a complete, help new us, mark, complete new market segment I'm going to get into <laughs> now, doing interns research. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.